get to see a lot of you at the door as you guys come in and enjoy uh, week in, week out. And uh, I'm just, yeah, just thrilled to be able to uh, get into God's Word this week. I want to just follow up on that prayer that Sean just prayed with another prayer just as we enter into uh, this time of, of getting into God's Word and we continue on in our uh, Walk the Walk series. Uh, so I want to pray a couple things over all of us uh, from earlier in the book of Ephesians. We're in this series on Ephesians 4, um, and just that God would really do this. So if you could just, uh, you can close your eyes if you want. If you're comfortable, you can open your hands as a posture of receiving. But uh, we want to receive, uh, we want something miraculous to happen in our lives this morning. And this is what we're going to pray for. So we come before you, Father, that according to the riches of your glory, that you would grant us uh, to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that each one of us, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we would all be filled with all the fullness of God. So we ask you to do that, Father. We come before you, and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Well, you might be able to tell, have a little bit of a head cold. Uh, but that couldn't keep me back from being here with my River family this morning. So uh, I'm going to try and minimize the throat clearing and coughing for your sake. And uh, I've got some lozenges right here. Keep them loaded. But uh, so excited about what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, Sean uh, has preached the last two weeks from Ephesians 4 on walking the walk of unity. And then last week, he preached on walking the walk of truth. So this week, we're going to move forward into Ephesians uh, 5. And it's going to be walking the walk of love. So we're not just going to talk about what it looks like. We'll hit on that a little bit. But we're really going to be answering the question, or, or see if we can answer the question, how? How exactly do we walk the walk of love? It's a, it's a big claim. We can easily throw around, oh yeah, just love one another. Uh, if the world could all just love one another, uh, as if it's easy. It, it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, so, so we're going to look at, can we learn anything from Paul here, specifically relating to how, uh, how we walk the walk of love as a community here, uh, but also in our workplaces. Uh, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships? Uh, how, how do we do it uh, in a way that, that really resembles, resembles Jesus? Uh, it, it's relevant even as we hear of the, the news and the events happening in Paris and as Dan mentioned, all over the world. Um, how do we respond in love? What's that look like? How do we do it uh, even on things like social media? Uh, conversations at the water cooler. Uh, how, does, how do we respond? How do we walk the walk of love? 
So we're going to dig in to Ephesians 5, 1 through the first part of verse 8. So it'll be on the screen, and uh, if, you have your, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, if you have your phones, you can scroll there uh, with me, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read this together. So Ephesians 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who walk in disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. All right. So, how do we walk the walk of love? I want to reread the first two verses there. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So, um, the main example that we have here as what this walk of love looks like is the way that Jesus lived, uh, died, and lived his life. That's the main example we have. It says, the imitators of God... And then it says, so walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Um, now, if you're like me, I'm not saying you are, but I look at that and I think, whew, yeah, that's easy, Paul. Just be like Jesus, exactly like him. Um, and I feel, wow, that's a, that's a tough standard to, to reach, to get up to. Uh, and yet, this is what Paul is calling us to. And, and there's actually, as I think myself through that, there is something that encouraging, there's something encouraging for me on the other side. And that's if Paul's encouraging this, there must be some grace to be able to live it out. Uh, there must be some power from God to actually be able to live this out like Jesus. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So how do we do it? How do we live that out? The way that Jesus loved... Uh, there's a lot of ways that we could talk about how he loved. We, we'd have to just start in Matthew 1 and just plow through four Gospels, and we don't have the time for all that. So I want to highlight just one aspect of his life, and, and Paul mentions it here, that he gave himself up for us uh, as a sacrifice. Jesus was able to live a life of love in such a way that it was completely freely given. Jesus didn't require anything of us, anything of the people that he was living with in his day. 
He didn't require anything from them in order to love them. His love came from a place of security. I believe security in his love, in the love he received from the Father. If you think about his baptism, uh, it's referenced in all four of the Gospels. Uh, he, when he comes up out of the water, uh, the Father speaks over Jesus. And it says this, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, that was before any miracle that we know of happened in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry. Uh, it seems to me that there's, it's significant that the affirmation, the receiving God's love, was central to his being able to give love, to live a life from a place of being loved, uh, where he could do it freely without requiring things in return. This is an important part about what true love actually is. That As we walk the walk of love, we can sacrifice, uh, not because we're trying to get all these things in return from other people, but because we're able to freely give it. It actually shifts from love into all sorts of other things. And these are some of the things that Paul brings up in this passage. When we're not doing it from a place of freely being given. For to truly be love, it has to be free. It has to be a free gift and offering. So how do we how do we live this as a community? Um, that's something we want to we want to look at and continue to, to think about. Uh, God taught me something about uh, His love and the way that love is freely given without requiring something in return. So been married for about a year. Uh, dated my lovely wife here, Jessie, for two and a half years before that. And uh, we'd actually known each other nine years before that, three years of being really good friends. Uh, someone in the relationship started to develop feelings. It was the male in the relationship. I won't tell you who. Uh, sort, of, sort of didn't know what to do with that, messed things up. End of friendship for the next, like, six years or so. Uh, so, and then six years go by, and this, this male part of the relationship uh, decides, you know what, I feel like Jesse's really what I've been looking for. I'm shifting into first person here. Uh, what I've really been looking for, well, she's still alive, I think, and I don't think she's married. So, uh, so re-enter, uh, <coughs> this is about three and a half years ago. And uh, so I re-enter, and now, needless to say, there's a little bit of trust buildup that needs to happen here. So I come kind of flying in from left field, and hey, let's kind of reconnect a little bit. And um, so what happened is, is we, we start getting to know each other again, and um, we're at a distance, Jesse's in Philadelphia, I'm up on the North Shore, so there's a lot of miles being put on the car, and uh, early on, after we had spent some time together and uh, were getting to know each other, I mean, I'm just completely smitten. Just totally, I mean, it was just, you know, uh, just no question, I'm, I'm just there. And uh, so she, she's not exactly letting on, though, as to where she's at at the moment, uh, as you can understand. Uh, now early on, I'm crying out to God. I'm just like, Lord, it's so hard to feel like, oh my, just heart is in this thing, and uh, I don't really know fully where she's at. 
you know, it seems like she's having a good time when we spend time together or talk on FaceTime, and, but I don't really know where she's at. And so I'm kind of like, okay, God, either can I ask her and just get some clarity here, or can you just tell me? Where is she at? You know, just let me know. I'm listening. And uh, so what happens is um, the Lord basically responded and said, John, I don't want you to know where she's at. Because you think you know how to love someone, uh, but you actually don't really know how to love someone yet. But I'm teaching you how to love. And he said, see, love serves, cares for honors, prays for, takes interest in another without requiring anything in return. And so I'm actually teaching you how to love her because I want you to do all these things in pursuing her, even though you have no idea whether she's going to respond in reciprocating that back. And he said, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He, 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 sir, he sacrificed his life without requiring anyone to receive that without requiring that in return. That Jesus lived this example and he said, I want you to, to live this and to be learning how to love the way that I love. Uh, that was powerful. That was significant because it wasn't months. There were so months that went by until I had a sense of, all right, we're... And then even after we were more official dating, there was still, God was challenging me in the same way. Will you honor her? Will you, will you pursue her, love her, care for her, pray for her without requiring anything in return? And uh, that's part of what Paul's talking about here. Is he's saying, what does it look like to be a community who lives from love and not for love? That we live from a place of love, but not just for love. That our actions and our serving and our caring and our praying for one another isn't just so I can go and get stuff in return and get something. But rather it's, I have a gift that I can freely give because I'm secure in my Father's love for me. Because I'm receiving from Him. There's actually three core places of identity that this passage talks about that, lay, that, that are essential for us to be able to walk the walk of love. That we would be living from love, from a place of our identity in Him, not for our identity. So that when we're, when we're serving all these things, we're doing it because we're already loved. Yeah. Not because we're trying to receive it. Not because we're trying to get it. Yeah. Would, and, and we do that. But, but what would it look like to even do it more as a community? And then more than that, what would it look like to do that in your workplaces? Where people haven't necessarily said, hey, I'm on board for living this life of love like Jesus. What would it look like to do it when you actually are pretty sure you're not going to get anything in return, but you still serve and honor and care in that sort of way? So how do we, how do we live from love and not for love? Uh, the first essential piece, I think, is really early on in verse 5 here. It, it's, Paul calls us uh, children. It says, as beloved children. So who we are is that we are children of God. That if you are in Christ, that if you've said yes to Jesus, that you are a fully brought into the family, uh, to use Paul's language, adopted son and daughter of God. With all the rights and privileges that come 
with being a son and daughter uh, of God. Who we're not is we're not orphans. Uh, and this is really significant. So last, so it actually, this starts with therefore. little Bible tip. Uh, whenever there's a therefore, figure out what it's there for. You know, so that's just, anytime you see a therefore. So we actually talked about what the therefore is there for last week, which is walking the walk of truth. So we have to walk the walk of truth to be able to really walk this walk of love. So we're filling ourselves with truth to say, wow, I'm a, I'm a child of God. Yes. I'm not an orphan. Yes. So we can actually be children of God, but still live with an orphan mindset. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that comes out of this is Paul highlights in verse 3, he uses the word covetousness. He says, this must not even be named among you. See, when we're operating as orphans, we have this mindset of scarcity. Uh, we have this mindset uh, that we have to fight, that we have to hoard, we have to keep things in for ourselves, but when we're operating as a mindset of I am a son and a daughter of an incredibly generous father, and at that, he's a father of abundance. He has everything. So this affects how we, how we act physically, um, with our physical possessions, uh, that we, we, there's a freedom to be open-handed with what we have. There's a freedom to uh, not covet and say, man, I need what that other person has. I need what they have uh, because we're, we're operating from, I have a father who's generous. He actually desires to, to give me what I need. He desires to meet me in those places. It also affects how we interact in our relationships. That there's a transformation that happens in our relationships when we go from a place of, wow, he's generous towards me um, in, in all different ways, rather than, wow, okay, I have to be, I have to fight, I have to be concerned. There's actually, there's a song that we're going to sing uh, during our response time. And the, the lyrics go like this. So I'm just, just prepping you here. It's going to be a new song. Uh, it says, about God, you never ask that I earn your affection. Because um, I could never earn something that's free. There we are again on the, the love being a free gift. It says, I don't have to earn your affection. And so when we're, even in our relationships, when we're operating as, I've got to earn it, I've got to earn this. Uh, that actually sometimes is offensive to me. If someone thinks that in relating to me, they have to always be like working for my approval or my affection or things. I'm just like, hey, I want to I love freely. And it also says this, uh, I never have to fight for your attention because your eyes are ever upon me. So we don't have to fight for attention because his eyes are on us because we're sons and daughters. We're not orphans with no parent out on our own we're sons and daughters in the house of the most loving, abundant, generous father, parent that we could, we could ever imagine. So how do we live from love as a son and a daughter? I'm going to share the story real quick just so we can keep moving on. Um, but I had a chance to go to Mozambique when I was 17 years old. And I went to an orphanage there. And it was really life-changing. And there are a lot of neat things that were happening at this particular ministry. 
Um, multiplication of food was something that happened fairly frequently, like miraculously. Uh, I talked to a pastor who had raised multiple people from the dead, um, but hardly knew how to read. Uh, I just heard all these uh, miracles, and it, it was, was mind-blowing. But what, the thing that stuck with me more than anything else from that trip was... Every kid, and there were hundreds at this orphanage, so they were all orphans uh, in the natural world, um, from AIDS, from flooding, from years of civil war, and they had joy and love for one another, like I never experienced uh, from really anyone, but, but even, especially for a whole group of kids, ranging from 4 to 14. It was amazing the love that they had for one another. And thinking about what they were brought up in and their circumstances, this was not normal. Um, and the, the reason was is that they didn't view themselves as orphans any longer. I, I realized I shouldn't even call it an orphanage. It should be a children, it's a children's home. Um, it, because they understood that they weren't orphans. The foundation of this ministry was to teach and to love these kids in such a way that they knew that they were sons and daughters of God, that they were children. And they started to live that way. And not just because they were told, but because they were actually having encounters with God. It was a place where they could come and encounter a God, a Father who loved them. Uh, So they were starting to live from a place of love as a son and a daughter, not from a place of an orphan. They weren't thinking, I need to live for love. I can live from love. I know I'm love. And actually, it was the kids who saw the most miracles. They would take all their kids into the hospitals, and person after person would get healed. And I think a big reason is because even as they prayed for the sick, they knew, I'm just trying to just hold my, my papa's hand. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. He can heal them. He knows how to heal so I'm just going to pray for people. So we want to live as sons and daughters. The second key thing here, <coughs> I know we're not going too deep into this passage yet, but it's important to get the identity down. Uh, children, uh, we did that. Beloved, beloved children, that we are loved. So who are we? We are unconditionally loved. <coughs> who are we not? We're not un unloved, who need to earn love. This is significant, because Paul uh, goes into, one of the main things he focuses on here is this area of sexual immorality. And we're not going to go deep into all of what that entails, but it says sexual immorality must not even be named among you. In another translation it says not even a hint of sexual immorality. See, When we're living for love, when we're not operating from a place of being secure, and and not just secure, but receiving His love, the the byproduct is that we're going to start going into areas of of sexual immorality. Uh, But it's not going to be love. It's going to look like all different forms of lust. And, And that's not going to satisfy the desires. It's not going to satisfy the things that we long for. It's only going to lead to um, negative outcomes in in your own life and in our communities. 
And so I speak from this one who has some experience in God really bringing me out of a place of some sexual addiction uh, that was in my life. And I can tell you both from that, but also from walking with lots of people who struggle in this area, uh, that if you're struggling with with something in the realm of sexual immorality, and we could put that, you know, there's a whole lot in there, um, I can almost guarantee there's some places in your soul that aren't experiencing love, Amen. that haven't been loved, and that desperately need to be loved. And so by way of kind of practical, in our community, how do we walk the walk of love as a community? I want to encourage us uh, that word of just every hint, you know, not that there would be no hint that if this is an area that's, that's a struggle for you, that's a fight, um, do whatever it takes to cut it off kind of at the root. And so I just want to give you a quick sequencing here. Uh, there has to be a spot where you get there and you say, I'm going to do whatever drastic measure is needed to get the, I'll call it a fix in a sense, to get the fix, to get the place of sexual immorality out so that, one, that's just, it's, it's sin, it's not good in and of itself, but so that God can start to work on the places that are at the root, that are really at the core. Because God wants to love into those places, but as long as we're covering it up with cheap counterfeits, it's never going to be able to get to the places uh, where He wants to love us. And He wants us to be able to live from that place of living from love and not for love. Um, at the end, we're going, to, we're going to talk about how do we partner together? Uh, who do we partner with in these things? And So in this area specifically, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, what does it look like to partner with God and then also to partner with some other people? Um, I just want to speak hope over the fact that there is place, there are places of freedom in this area. Yes. And I want to speak that um, it's always best to say yes to what God determines as true and uh, what God says is not true. And there's, there's just such a, there's no ambiguity in Scripture about uh, the negative effects that running to kind of, in places of sexual immorality, that those will have on our lives. The freedom I've experienced, the places that His love has poured into, um, as I've journeyed through some of that in my own life, um, and been walking in places of freedom for years now, um, is amazing. It wasn't easy, but it took... I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to take some desperate measures, whether that's you know, getting rid of a computer for a season, uh, moving out from the person that is, is, you know, this is involved with, uh, getting separation, whatever it is, getting a separation, and then walk with people uh, where you can receive the places of healing um, and, and get truth and love into those deep places. We're with you. That's, a, that's how we walk together, yes. if that's a place, if that's a place of struggle. It says in 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. 
There's a lot of other aspects of love that we could talk about, um, but Paul just focuses on that main area in this passage. Um, I just want to say, even in all of our relationships, to be thinking about, so am I, what does it look like to live from love and not for love? Uh, there's a freedom that exists in a relationship when we live that way. And so whether it's a family, a discipleship relationship, faith group relationships, friendships, workers, there's a place of saying, am I going to be in this relationship just so I can get something out of the other person? Or am I coming into this relationship so that I can have something to offer, so that I can love, so that I can, those things God told me about in, in pursuing Jesse, serve, honor, love, pray for, uh, respect another person. So what would it look like to be a community that lives that way? Uh, lastly, who we are, we are saints. We are holy, we are pure before God. Who are we not? We are not sinners destined for destruction. Yeah. So Paul, in this passage, he has a whole section, uh, five, through, five through six, really, where he talks about it. He says, you have no inheritance, the people who are this have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on sons of disobedience. So then he says, don't be partners with them. Uh, what this isn't saying is that if you ever do any of those things, that that's who you are. That's your identity. Because in fact, this is the gospel, isn't it? And, and that we have been transformed in our identity. Uh, all through the beginning of Ephesians, he's, he's laying out actually the opposite of these. He says that you have a great inheritance as saints in God. And he says that you were those doomed for wrath, but you're no longer doomed for wrath. And so what Paul's saying is, it's crazy to think about continuing to live in these ways that are, that are um, living for love, that are living in lustful ways, all these ways that he mentions, because those are things that are leading uh, those who aren't in Christ to the wrath of God. Uh, how crazy it is to partner with those things and keep living in those things. Uh, and even though our identity is secure in Him, even as believers, we can still feel and experience the negative effects of when we live for the kingdom, the, the world that's not God's kingdom. Uh, we can still experience those effects. But we are not those who are doomed for destruction. So as we look at this list, um, it's, it's, not, it's describing... How I say this, it's describing people, it's kind of placing identity. So it's saying, you know, those who are sexually immoral, those who are impure, in verse 5, those who are covetous and idolater. Um, Paul's understanding is, as he's talking to the saints, that's not them. That's not us. If you're in Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've received a sacrifice, uh, that's not us. And that's why he gets to the point of, uh, so why would you think about partnering with those things and living in those sorts of ways? Uh, don't be deceived. That's not who we are. Um, this, is, this is important in how we live. 
Um, because if we think that we are still uh, sinners, just, oh, grace is cool and all, but still really a sinner, and um, I'm just still potentially doomed for destruction, um, we're going to live in a place of condemnation. And that will not lead to life. But when we live from a place of, I'm forgiven. I'm actually a saint. Sometimes I, I still sin. But when we live from that place, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Yeah. And honestly, if the, the only main concern, Aaron Cook was talking about this as we were talking about this passage in our production meeting. Uh, the main concern is if you look at this list and there's no place of healthy conviction that brings with it the power to overcome, that brings with it the desire to run to Jesus, to run to God in whatever the place is that's difficult, in whatever the place is where, where we're living these uh, sort of things out, coveting, uh, sexual immorality, all kinds of impurity. Uh, language it talks about here. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he's just talking about you know, this whole range of things that aren't, aren't of us as sons and daughters who are loved. So we want to learn how to live this as saints. And learn to live as saints who are forgiven. Uh, one picture I want to illustrate uh, that we, as saints, we live from that place of conviction, which leads us to God and encourages us, rather than condemnation, which is discouraging and leads us away from God. Uh, I was just working through an area of my life a number of years ago, and I remember I had messed up in this area, and I was just frustrated. I was like, ah, oh, I thought I was experiencing some, some growth in this area of my life. Um, and I remember going to bed that night, and I was super discouraged. I was just like down, kind of frustrated myself. And that this, to this degree, it hasn't happened often. But the next morning, I woke up, and literally before a thought was on my mind, like loudly in my mind, uh, I, I heard the Lord say, John, I love you so much. I love you so much. I don't want you to walk in condemnation today. You're forgiven, and I love you. And I want you to walk in love today. And uh, in ways that in this particular issue in my life, I, condemnation had led me to kind of a cycle of, of just kind of doing it again, whatever. Um, that broke something. And it wasn't, it, it, it allowed me to then move from a place of, wow, thank you that you still love me. Thank you that you still love me. His love is powerful. This was an example of living from love rather than for love. So I didn't mess up and then think, okay, I've got to earn it again. I've got to do enough good things. I've got to get back on my list. I've got to go eight days without making this mistake again, without sinning again. No, it was back at the place of the gospel that he freely offered his life for me as a sacrifice. He took the wrath on him that I deserved. And now I'm free. I'm free from that condemnation. So this is powerful when we start living from that place of being from love and not for love. It gets to this final 
Uh, he says this, and I want to pose it as a question as we, as we wrap up here. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Uh, and this, so I just want to ask the question, who are you partnering with in your life? Uh, in two areas, uh, when it comes to your relationship with God, are you partnering with Him in living out into places of freedom in these areas? But, and in that living from love so that you can freely give it and not just for love. Yeah. In whatever the place, uh, you know, if there's places where you're living, you say, well, John, I'm living for love. Don't get all, like, discouraged about yourself. Just allow that to be a place where you say, like, it's like the symptom. Allow that to be the check engine light that comes on. Wow, I really feel like I need to live for love in these places. For love, I feel like I'm an orphan. I feel Just allow that to be a place where you say, oh, there's an issue here. Okay, God, I want to walk into a greater revelation of truth in this place. So, are you partnering with God in these areas? <laughs> And the second is, who are you partnering with in your life? Uh, where, who are some other people that you can trust, uh, that you could partner with to walk into places uh, of greater uh, love as sons and daughters, as ones who are deeply loved and ones who are saints, that, that, that can affirm that as who we really are? Who are those people? Uh, one word on this, um, and then I'm going to invite the uh, team to come forward. But um, you may have an idea. Oh, I want this person. This is a person I want to partner. Um, if you go to that person and they say, uh, you know, I actually, I don't know if I'm the best person for you right now. Or, man, my schedule's loaded. I don't actually have that space. I want to encourage you uh, not to give into that feeling of rejection. Uh, it's, it's very likely that they're just not the right person. And uh, keep asking God, okay, who can I partner with in this? Um, who can I partner with? For instance, if every person in this room was to come to uh, Sean, myself, Brendan, our wives, uh, that wouldn't be all that helpful. Because we wouldn't really be able to give a whole lot in uh, helping meet those needs. And so I just want to encourage you that uh, just because you have a who am I going to partner with, just because you might go to one person and it might not work out, that's okay. Just go to another person and uh, be asking the Lord, who is someone that I can partner with in life? Team, come forward if you, if you wouldn't mind. Worship team. And uh, every team. Just flood forward now. Um, so we're going to... We're going to spend a little time here at the end uh, worshiping and just responding to the Lord. Uh, as you do, I want you to ask these questions to the Lord. Who, who would you like me to partner with? And how can I partner with you, God? Uh, as we were praying before the service, two different people got uh, images as we were asking God, uh, what he was wanting to do this morning. And one person's image was like God had these buckets in hand, and he just wanted to dump and pour love over people. And then another person said, I, and I feel like it's as we worship 
that God's going to give us joy. That God's going to like pour joy over us and pour joy in us. So as we, as we worship together, I want to invite you to stand up now. We, we just have a, we're a little over, so if you need to, if you're a parent, uh, it'd be great to go and get your kids um, at this point in time. For the rest of us, um, we're just going to spend some time in this final song, um, just worshiping and coming before the Lord and saying, God, I want to live from your love filling me and not for your love. And ask the Lord, he'll help you. I'll help you. And just sing this song out as a declaration. Uh, it's really a song that embodies so much of what we've talked about this morning. And the song. <laughs>